Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. In this episode, you're going to learn a few really cool things from our guest today, Andrea Jones. Now, if you don't know that name, stick around. You're going to learn a little bit more about Andrea and the company she runs and some of the inside strategy she shared with me today around social media. Now, I'm not an expert in social media. As you guys know, my domain is podcasting, but today you're going to learn how to use social media to grow your podcast. She's been doing that for a while and she's going to share some really thoughtful and insightful um, ways to do that. And second, you're going to learn how the pandemic has shifted our behaviors online as most of you already know, um, but what specifically you need to pay attention to as a marketer. Now, she also throws in some really, really interesting things around creating viral content. She gives us some examples of her actual clients and how they're creating um, viral content. So I'm really excited to share that with you guys because I know for me, it was a game changer. I was taking a lot of notes on this episode. And uh, without further ado, Enjoy my episode with Andrea Jones, social media strategist from the Savvy Social Podcast. In a world where ad costs are continually rising and prospects are getting more and more skeptical about who they can trust, how can you reach new people in a way that's authentic and effective? A place where you can build trust at scale and convert skeptical prospects into raving fans and clients. Hey, my name is Luis Diaz, and you're listening to the Podcast Podcast Domination Domination Show, the place for entrepreneurs and businesses that want to know how to build a podcast that helps them grow their business, get more clients, and build their brand. I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. So Andrea, um, funny, it, it's kind of, I always give context for people on how we met and I don't know why this came about, but I always do this. Um, I sent you a random email and I did not expect to get a response back, but you were kind enough <laughs> to respond back. Um, so here we are on the podcast and, and doing more digging on your, on your show and, and learning more about kind of who you serve. A couple of things struck to me, struck out to me or stuck out to me that is the reason why I wanted to bring on the show. Number one, before we get into kind of your background and, and who you serve and what you do right now, um, this and just we we're chatting around strategy for people who have a podcast. 
um, and specifically how to use that podcast to grow a business. We talk about that obviously mm-hmm. here a lot on the podcast domination show. So we're definitely going to dive into that. And then number two, um, social media, the social media landscape, you are a social media strategist. You do this all day, way more than me. And I'm curious to see how that has changed. Um, I know you've had, you have some prediction episodes. You have some episodes earlier on from 2021 that are kind of to share a little bit of insight about how you feel about the social media landscape. And I'll link those below. But um, before we jump into all that good stuff, could you give us a, a rundown of what you do, who you are, and um, uh, yeah, any other things that you feel super important for people to know? Yes. And first of all, I will say your email stood out because you recorded a video and it like made that connection even more impactful. It didn't feel like, you know, that copy paste email we all get, you know? So (laughs) I will say for those listening, this strategy works because of the personalization. Okay. Uh, But so my name, Andrea Jones, obviously I'm a social media strategist. Um, I landed in this social media world completely organically in the sense that I'm a very introverted person. I just happen to like social media because I could find my people. You know, back in, let's see, when I first got started blogging 2004, I was blogging about Harry Potter. It's, you know, it's those little <laughs> things <laughs> that got me into this online world. And I was really excited to be able to find my people find the people I could geek out with about Harry Potter uh, because none of my close friends were really into it as much as me. Um, And so that, yeah, I'm an introverted nerd in that way. But that's really why I love social media. And so fast forward to today, now I get to work with these amazing brands and businesses, helping them find their people using the power of social media. And so I like to really emphasize that my kind of approach to social media is all about relationship building because social media is so different from a billboard. It's different from a a television ad or something like that. It's this two-way conversation that makes it that much more impactful, that much more, um, have that much more lasting power where uh, marketers like me come in, uh, try to turn it into something like a billboard. That's when it starts feeling a little bit fake, feeling a little bit um, uh, disingenuous. And so my approach is really focused on the relationship building side first, building that community. Uh, You know, imagine that community of uh, Harry Potter nerds geeking out (laughs) about, you know, fan theories of books. Like that's really what we want to build here on social media. So that's kind of my approach in a nutshell. Got it. I love the Harry Potter thing. I'll, I'll share with that more detail about my experience with Harry Potter in a second. Um, but as you mentioned there, you're an introvert, which is, which finds to me, I found interesting because social media people, typically the ones I have met are like social butterflies. They love to talk to people. They love to be in all the things and in all the groups and all the conversations. And, <laughs> and you're not like that, which makes it an interesting, interesting how you got into this. Um, second tangent before we jump into the good stuff here is um, my uncle actually had a, has a farm in England and he was one night he um, got a knock on the door and it's uh, Harry Potter's film production crew. And they, uh, they ask him, Hey, can we keep your, we have, have our trailers out in your, your in your, in your uh, land. We're going to be shooting some, some film around here. Cause my uncle lives in a very, like, uh, like a very historic city or uh, sorry, town in England. And so Harry Potter and his whole crew are actually in in their backyard, <laughs> literally like hundreds of feet away. 
Um, oh my gosh. I, I know. Yeah, I got goosebumps because I was a, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Um, okay, and I'm geeking sh- out right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. He called me. He's like, guess who's in my backyard? <laughs> I'm like, wow. I was like 13 or 14 at the time. Um, so yeah. So yeah, that's that's my little story with Harry Potter. Um, wish I was there, but I wasn't. Um, anyways, back to the, to the social media stuff. Yes. Very, very interesting. So we had kind of, we can take this any way you want. So I want to, we'll dive into kind of like how... Yeah, I want to take it this way first before we go anywhere else. What have you seen change in the social media world when it comes to how behaviors have changed um, during this pandemic? It's it's for some people like I know you're in Canada. It's like a lot more strict here there than it is here in the U.S., especially down in Miami. Um, so it's kind of like it's still there. It's not there. How are things shifting and changing in this pandemic, specifically in 2021 mm-hmm. um, with yeah. what you're seeing? I'll start with I start with the uh, the podcasting angle first. So a lot of people listen to podcasts in their commute, and so quickly at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I don't know if y'all saw this too, but we saw our client stats drop down a little bit. Yep. At the beginning of the pandemic, because habits just shifted, we weren't doing what we usually did every single day. But as this pandemic situation. Um, changed and remained the same for a lot of us, depending on where you're living and what the the restrictions are like. Like you said, here in Canada, it is different. Um, I live near Niagara Falls in Canada, so it is different than than other areas. Uh, We saw that people were developing new habits and podcasting was still fitting in with those habits. And just consuming things online were fitting in with those habits. So if we expand this into the social media realm, we're thinking about how consumers use social media and their habits shifted towards overconsumption in the beginning. And they're kind of normalizing again now. So we saw a lot more people on social media consuming content, specifically video content. So if you had a YouTube channel, for instance, that taught people um, how to Uh, I don't know, craft, how to crochet, let's say, you may have seen an influx in your views at the beginning of the pandemic that is just growing still probably to this day. Um, So things like that are definitely shifting in the landscape. But what we also saw is a shift in connection as well, which is where I like to focus, especially as business owners, Mm -hmm. because wherever you have someone's attention, you have the opportunity to connect with them. And it is an opportunity. It's not a given. And so I like to relate this to dating. If you're you're dating, if you're like out on the prowl, out on the hunt, and you make (laughs) eye contact with someone... Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is going to be more beyond that eye contact. Maybe right. you start a conversation, maybe you exchange numbers, maybe it goes further than that. So oftentimes our social media connections with someone new is like that eye contact. So how are you going to take it farther with that potential podcast listener, with that potential client or customer really depends on, on how much you can engage them in conversation and connection and not so much blast them with information. Mm-hmm. And so it's moving yeah. away from educational content towards content that connects, content that people want to share, content that people have something to say in response to it. And so that's really the shift that we saw in the past, you know, I don't know, 12 months or so. Yeah. I like how you brought that up because there's so much how-to information out there and content. Like it's it's endless. And that doesn't really 
create conversions or for me in my experience it hasn't um it's more about the actual connection like you're saying like the stories or the ability to show that you're maybe similar to that person or show that there's some kind of relationship there and building relationships so this kind of piques my curiosity and kind of diving in more into you mentioned like your the goal of for you social media is building relationships um and there's a million and one ways to do that i'm sure on, on on social media but for you what have been some ways that you found or some things that you teach or share um, that help people take that, just that stare, that, that glance that you mentioned into the next step of the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of this comes from knowing, intimately knowing who you're looking for, who that ideal listener is for the podcast and eventually that ideal client, because you want to create the type of content that they feel seen looking at it. And this kind of content, sometimes we shy away from as brands, as businesses, because it can be polarizing. Um, So an example, I'll give an example, one of my clients who is an OBGYN for um, perfectionist moms is how she calls it. Uh, One of her posts that did really well was about wearing postpartum underwear long after the doctor says you should be wearing it which Mm -hmm. most women do. And it was one of those things where nobody's talking about it. We're all doing it. And it's content (laughs) like that where her audience goes, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. I have to tag a friend. I have to share this. I'm laughing and I relate so much. And so it's really understanding your audience to that level of nuance that can really help start those conversations and then continue the conversations with the other types of content that you create. And this all comes down to messaging. It doesn't have to be perfectly polished. And honestly, the the more perfectly polished it is, the less it's performing right now. So if you have this highly produced video, um, doesn't perform as well, doesn't get as many views and likes as like the raw video of you just turning your camera on while you're sitting on the couch watching Bridgerton or whatever the case may be. So I think that that type of content, the real, the raw, almost think about how, how explosive reality TV has been for the television industry. We're seeing echoes of that on social media. People don't necessarily want a perfectly painted picture. They want something that they can relate to, something that they feel like they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel like someone understands the nuance of their challenges. And then you can take the conversation deeper from there into helping them understand how you can serve them with whatever it is, your podcast, your, your coaching program, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I, something that sticks out to me that you just said is make them feel seen. Make them feel seen. I, I think I haven't thought of it like that. And I've seen my wife sometimes tags me and stuff. And it's, it's literally because only her and I have experienced it or we think we're the only ones who, who experienced it. So <laughs> I, I, I love that um, because it's a new way to think about your content of like you're getting inside the mind of your ideal person to the point where they're like, oh, my God, like this matches me perfectly. I need to share this now. This is a this concept of creating content for connection, like you can call it connection content. Um, does this work on every platform? I, I would venture to say it's it's obviously it's a bit different and nuanced, but um, for you, if you had to name a few of key ones that you think this is you've seen this work really well on, as opposed to where it hasn't, um, what would that be if there are any? 
Yeah. So this style of content is working really well on Instagram right now because of the nature of how we use the app. People like to share posts to their stories. So if you create a post that people feel like they can share to their stories, that can work really well. Or even they're tagging people, or like you said, with your wife or sending it to someone in a DM. And so that really works well, but it really can work for any, any platform. So if you think about Twitter, for instance, what are the posts people are retweeting? Why are they retweeting it? It's because they went, oh, I felt this way. And this person really captured it into words and tweeted it out. Um, or this is really powerful. I want other people to see this. Um, right. And even taking it to newer platforms like TikTok, I truly believe one of the reasons why TikTok is doing so well is because the algorithm on that platform is serving you content where you go, I found my people. It's again that that if I can pull it back to like the Harry Potter nerds geeking out about mm-hmm. book seven <laughs> and theories, fan theories. It's that level of detail that helps that app stand out um, amongst a few other things. But you can really take it to any platform, um, any social first platform. I do find platforms like Pinterest or YouTube that are more search focused. It does yeah. get a little bit more challenging to do that type of content on those platforms. So you may have to just embed it into how you teach something. So for example, um, if you're teaching, I'll use a crochet YouTuber as an example, if you're teaching people how to crochet, crochet or how to knit. And then you have like a, I don't know, color coded way that you organize your yarn. Um, That may be something to incorporate into the video. So people go, oh, I organize my yarn the same way. Um, And so even just layering it into the the how-to style content could really help people connect and feel seen as well. Got it. Got it. I've I've heard you in past podcasts, I'm going to go off on this tangent here for a second, talk about TikTok. Personally, for me, I'm not on TikTok. The thought of having to make a video with music, I feel like it's like, oh, I'm like basically making a day mini podcast. Um, so, and I know it's not that hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that, I, I know it's not that hard, but um, I want to go there for a second as a naive person who's not on there. Um, what, what do you find, what do you find you personally like as a, as a consumer? And then we can flip it around and talk about that from the business standpoint, where are its some of its strengths, weaknesses? As a consumer, I love that algorithm. I'm telling you, they have perfected it. I feel like I can go into the app and just start scrolling and be like, these are all sorts of videos that I want to see. And so as a consumer, I really enjoy that about the app because it's not curated, right? Like when you sign up for an Instagram account, you have to choose to follow certain accounts to see certain types of content. Whereas on TikTok, you log in, you don't have to even create an account and you're instantly seeing content and how you interact with those first few videos the algorithm starts learning what you like and then starts delivering more content to you along those lanes. Um, And so as a consumer, I love, 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 like just the exploration (laughs) of it. It it does remind me of like old school social media where, or or even old school internet where you just kind of logged on and we're like, what am I going to see today? I don't know. Um, I feel like that vibe is coming back a little bit. Love it. Okay, cool. So I didn't know this, and I know you mentioned this in other podcasts, but the algorithm, it it doesn't show you just people who you follow. It shows you people you've never seen before, like brand new people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As a marketer, that obviously has a huge benefit because now you're able to get into new markets, get in front of new people. Um, how are you personally using it, if, if at all, if you are using it in your business at all um, yeah. for, for like marketing? 
Yeah. So I find it interesting because as a marketer, because the algorithm is so good, I find it hard to game. You can't trick mm. this algorithm because it's really, again, based on the user's attention and how they interact with the video. Um, and it's very focused on keeping people on the app. So if you make a video that's not interesting and the first they send it to a sample size, I think of 300 people, those first 300 random people, if they don't like your video, then the algorithm's going to go, meh, we're not going to show it that much to everyone else. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. So as a marketer, from a marketing perspective, I am obsessed with figuring this out because you can have the most, again, you can have the most visually appealing video but that's not really what people pay attention to. I saw a video the other day where these teenagers were recording themselves doing a silly little dance and the mom walked in in the background on accident and she froze in a very comedic way and just like backed up slowly out of frame. And that video went viral because of that accidental thing. It was like poorly lit. The sound was awful. But it's those sorts of real moments that people are really tapping into on TikTok. So as a marketer, it's really hard to game that system. You have to be able to create interesting content. Um, and I find you have to be very personable about it. So someone who I've been studying do this, um, whether you like him or hate him, Dave Ramsey uh, is on there. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell is on there. They are doing things on this app. They're just showing up as their personality brand. And this younger generation who may not be as familiar with them are living for it. Huh. And so wow. I think when we think about how we can show up there as a personal brand really is just showing up as you, as your personality. Now, if your company is bigger than that, I would consider adding a personality to this. So the Washington Post is doing a really great example of this on TikTok where I think it's someone in the marketing department who's running it <laughs> and they're just kind of showing the office, doing funny things, antics, TikTok trends, but it's at the Washington Post office. And because we know of that brand, it adds a different angle to uh, what they offer into the world. Um, mm. Lastly, I'll say this. If you're in the coaching space, there is a huge, huge opportunity to show up and encourage people. Because the app tends to skew a little bit younger, there are a lot of people on there who are going viral just by showing up and saying, hey, I got you. You're awesome. You look beautiful today. I just wanted to tell you that. So it's not a highly produced video. It's just right. someone turning on their camera going, if you're watching this video, I want to send you some love today. And I think that's really where coaches, consultants, service providers can make a space for themselves on the app without mm -hmm. having to dance or point or do crazy yeah. transitions or anything like that. Yeah. That, cause that's as a marketer from my perspective, I'm like, I don't want to have to go to another, create more content, get on another thing, another hamster wheel. Um, the way for a couple of things you shared, Dave Ramsey, I'm interested to see what he's doing. So I'm going to go check that out. The Washington post office. I would be even curious to see, just see behind the scenes, what they're doing in the office. Uh, and then like you're saying with these coaches, like a lot of our clients are coaches too. So this is huge. Um, I'm going to share this episode with them as well around just showing up and being a voice and being there and doing what you do best, coaching, encouraging, um, you speaking to your clients. That's really, really interesting because I didn't think there was a market for that. I really didn't think there was going to be any opportunity for those kind of people, at least not on, on TikTok doing that kind of thing. So thank you for sharing that, Andrea.
Yeah, absolutely. And if you want one more example of this, um, one of my friends, Kathleen O, um, Coach Kathleen, I think is her TikTok handle. She talks a lot about micro dosing and she is going viral right now on TikTok because, because <laughs> this content, she's, I mean, she's showing up daily, multiple times a day. So I don't know how she does it because that is a bit too much for me personally. Right. Uh, but she is getting so much attention and she's educating and she's not doing crazy, you know, back- backflips or anything like that. She's just showing up and educating on her topic. So for a lot of coaches out there, I think that's a really good example of what's possible. Okay. So I will make sure we link that or find that on my have my assistant find that in the show notes. She's going to kill me for that. <laughs> Having to go find a TikTok <laughs> account, but, but we'll, we'll get it down there. Um, interesting, really interesting stuff. Now as a, you're a podcaster as well. Um, you're also a great marketer. Um, you work with a lot of other marketers and coaches. So this is interesting because I, the, we're going to take a little bit of a left turn here. Um, we're going to chat about growing your business with a podcast. I know you've done it because I've seen your podcast and it's a really well-ran podcast. I'm curious to hear your experience um, and also what you've found works because your cool thing is you're a podcast, but also you're a social media strategist. So you have two kind of disciplines there that are a little bit different um, and an interest in seeing kind of what you've seen worked and how the podcast has impacted your business. Yes. And I will say the podcast informs all of my social media posts. So when I think about creating social media content, I go to the podcast and that's how we do it for our clients as well. And and a lot of people listening to this may like, oh, your jaw's unclenching, your shoulders can relax. Now you don't have to create anything new for social media content. If you have a team, have them pull it from your podcast because that's typically a really great way to reduce that like you mentioned, the content generation machine, uh, it really reduces that feeling. Mm. Um, but how I how I leverage all of this together is my social media is the driver for getting people to listen to my podcast. And my podcast is the driver for relationship building with my audience. Mm, I have it. I have been doing this for over seven years. I've been running the podcast for two years. And in the past two years, we're actually coming up on three years in June. In the past three years, then I guess, uh, almost three years, I can't even tell you the number of people who said, I found your podcast. I binge listened to all of these episodes. That's why I'm here in your program. And for me as a content creator, I, you know, I've done YouTube, I've done blogging, podcasting has been the number one way for people to build trust with me very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I recommend other people looking at their podcasts as well. I've tested a lot of things too. I've made lead magnets specifically for episodes. Um, That doesn't convert as well if I try to point people to some sort of opt-in specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, Not for me, at least. What has worked the best is just showing up and providing value and being consistent with my offer. So I have a specific lead magnet that I use all the time that I talk about all the time. If I try to make one for one episode, it doesn't work as well. Yeah, You have to be consistent with it. 
And then I consistently talk about my offers. And that has been the best way to grow the um, podcast itself, but then to also grow my community. Now, I view my podcast guests as potential high-ticket clients. So mm-hmm. oftentimes, the people consuming the podcast join my programs. The people I'm interviewing are potential Um, one-on-one consulting clients or service-based clients. So for Mm -hmm. me, the podcast also builds relationship because I get to talk to people who I would have never just sat down and talked with before, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. I love that. So I love that. The way you kind of lay it out mentally for me is what I really, really dig in right now because um, there's a lot of strategy, but the mental clarity that you provide and how the people who are listening are probably better fits for the programs. The people who are interviews are probably better fits for the high ticket stuff. The podcast is about relationships. The social media is going to drive that. And the fact that you said something really important here and something that like I, 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 we do, but it's like, I feel like we could be doing it better. And that's using the podcast content as social media content. And specifically, um, I'm curious to kind of dive in here for a sec and just kind of see like, are you transcribing episodes and then turning those into posts? Um, I'm sure some of those videos or podcast episodes, like the clips get turned into audiograms. Um, what does that process, if you can share, like, what does some of that stuff look like for you? Yes, this becomes easier the larger of a database you have. Um, so I'll use one of my cl- clients as an example. She's a feminist coach. She talks a lot about body neutrality, body positivity. So she has a lot of episodes on that topic. She also talks a lot about thought work and like maintaining your mind. She's a life coach, right? So she's got over 200 podcast episodes. So when we manage her social media, her posts sound exactly like her because we're using her exact words from a podcast episode. So obviously when new episodes come out, we will post those as like a promotional go listen to the new episode. And yes, we do get the transcripts for those. I use rev.com for transcripts. Um, Just grab the transcript, pull copy from that to make the post. Uh, But then we're also informing the rest of our posts from past podcast episodes. So for example, it's uh, Women's Month. It's March 2021, Women's Month. We're going to go back into a past podcast episode and get her perspective on, you know, the history of women and how society views women or people who are socialized as women. That wasn't, we're not pointing to a specific podcast episode. We're pulling copy from that episode to inform a social media post. Um, What really works for her is to use those like quote cards and say something really bold. Um, This isn't about inspiring. It's about almost, um, it's that I feel seen type content that I was talking about. People read it and they go, yes, that's me. Yes, she gets it. And so we're pulling things, exact things that she said from podcast episodes to put it into social media posts. And yeah, this process takes a while. Like when we get a new client, it's intense. (laughs) And then even working, we've been working with this one in particular for uh, over a year now. And it still takes a ton of time for my team to comb through and find those those content pieces. But the, the reason people share them, the reason people like and comment on them, and the reason it resonates with people is because of that reason. Um, one more example I'll give with this is she's doing a webinar right now all about body image. 
And since she has so many podcast episodes talking about these concepts, to promote the webinar, we're just going back through her past podcasts and pulling out things that she says about body image, stories that she's told about her clients, stories that she's told about herself, and using those in the caption to promote the webinar. So instead of just saying, hey, we've got this webinar, it's like, have you ever stood in front of the mirror and looked at your fat rolls and hated your body? That it's like a line pulled from her podcast episode. I can't come up with that. I'm not a life coach. Um, And so she said that. And so when you're thinking about how impactful words like that are on social media, you know, there's so much content in these podcast episodes. It's, it's, you know, not easy. I should say it's simple to turn (laughs) them into a social media post as well. Great point. So the transcripts are for me, I've always fought back and forth with those things. Because, you know, it's like, if you don't use them for the right thing, they're just a waste. But like the way you guys are using them is really genius. And um, for those who are, Rev's awesome. Our, our team uses Rev as well. Definitely recommend them. Um, besides that, if you guys want a free option, you can check out Descript. It's a mm-hmm. software you download. I think you have three hours per month that are free. So if you're doing your own stuff, um, you can uh, transcribe it for free there as well. Um, just if you want to get going now. So the, that's really, really genius stuff. So you're taking the transcripts coming through. Um, you're going to, what you guys are doing is a bit more intense. Obviously you're pulling from multiple episodes and looking for a specific through line or a specific story or angle, which is, which is really, really good. Is there any other things or other, any other things you're doing or, um, you've learned from promoting podcasts on social media that, um, either are, are yays or nays, like, like do this or don't do this. Yes. If you're doing this for yourself. So if you're, if you're running this for yourself, the process I just described is usually a bit too intense. You, you probably want to get a team to support with that, but there are things you can do. So when you, when you promote a podcast, what I often see is people just say, Hey, I released a new episode. It's with this guest or it's on this topic. Go give it a listen. And that's not really the best way to encourage people to listen. I like for people to think of their social posts as if someone's seeing it for the very first time, they don't know who you are, they don't know who the podcast is, and you have to try to encourage them to go listen. So if they're already subscribed, sure, that could work. They, they're they oh, yeah, yeah, uh, there's a new podcast uh, episode out, I'll go listen. But for the most part, we're talking to that new person. And so you want to think about how you can describe that episode based on feelings. So instead of the facts of this is the name of the episode, this is what it's about, try to think about the feeling you want someone to have when they're listening to it. Um, So if it's an audio drama, for instance, about like ghost hunting or something like that, instead of saying we're going to this house and we're going to look at this ghost, you could say, tune in about five minutes in, the hair on your arms is going to raise. You'll want to stay till the end for a surprise twist. Or if you are, if you have an educational based podcast, listen to this podcast because you'll learn this thing that'll help you this way in your business. You'll feel confident about this particular thing. You'll feel like you'll a- you're able to do that particular thing. So if you can focus on the feelings instead of here's the name of the episode, here's where it is, that could really help that potential listener actually go listen to it. 
because that's the hardest part about connecting social media and podcasting. It's like one of the hardest things to promote on social media, which is why I'm so passionate about helping podcasters. It's not yeah. like a YouTube video where they can just, you know, if they're scrolling on Facebook, it, they can just play it right there. Um, it's not like a blog where you, like there's a direct link to it all the time. It's so complicated. They can listen in so many different ways. So really trying to tap into the feelings helps there. Yeah, I love that's a really, really good tip, um, especially around like you mentioned, kind of piquing the curiosity and not giving giving every all the information, but like giving them enough to want to go and click and take time to download or listen to the episode. Um, podcasting is notoriously hard to <laughs> to promote on pod on social media's social media channels. Um, unfortunately, I don't think Facebook has ever had the uh, the thought or want to naturally embed or be able to naturally embed an episode in the in a post which I think would be amazing, but I don't think people are going to get that anytime soon. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be awesome, but doubt it's going to happen. Um, around, have you seen it work on TikTok? I'm just throwing a random thing out there because I know most people here are on Facebook and Instagram, but you know, TikTok, LinkedIn, some of these other places that are still good social media channels um, may not be the first thought when it comes to promoting a podcast. Um, curious yeah. if you've seen anyone do anything good or interesting on there. Yeah. So LinkedIn actually is really great for podcasters, um, specifically if you podcast to, uh, if you know your niche. So for instance, if you are a business coach who helps, um, I don't know, like uh, yoga business owners, you can very easily find those people on LinkedIn by their job title. So you could start building connection and community using that platform. And obviously part of that is sharing your new podcast episodes as they come out. And the great thing about LinkedIn is you don't need a lot of posts. So whereas something like Twitter moves ridiculously fast, uh, Instagram, you know, you've got to post a few times a week at the very least. LinkedIn, you could go with one post a week or one post every other week and it's still... <laughs> will live for a long time. So I actually That's really a, love podcasters on that platform. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, there definitely are some, uh, uh, some people I know who focus exclusively on that. Um, anything on TikTok before, before leaving off here, anything you've seen on TikTok? I don't know if I haven't for sure in this, this few amount of times I've been on the platform, but curious yeah, if it, anyone else is doing anything. If you can talk about a topic and then say, I talk more about this on my podcast, I think that's the way to integrate it in the TikTok strategy right now. If you just jump on there and try to promote an audiogram or something like that, I've tried it actually. If you look at my TikTok account, uh, my very first posts were posting audiograms on there. It does <laughs> not work. Um, that's just not how the platform is built. So if you could come in, provide value, and then at the end of your 36 seconds or 60 seconds, say, hey, you want to learn more, check out the podcast, I could potentially see a way for that to to turn into conversions. Got it. So more like organically jumping on there with like an, a natural video and then you referencing the podcast as opposed to using repurposed content. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Very, very cool. Okay, cool. So um, you mentioned, but growing business, growing your business with their podcast, is there anything else we left out around that topic? Because people listening to this, that's probably the number one or one or two questions they ask um, me and in, 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 on social media or in emails. Um, so I want to make sure we cover that topic and I didn't leave anything out there. Yeah, for sure. So when you're talking about growing your business using a podcast, you want to think about the podcast as the relationship building tool. So you've got to show up and pro provide value in that way, uh, but also always provide a next step. 
always, always, always provide a next step. So just assume anyone who's listening wants to work with you and they're excited. And if you're excited about it, they'll be excited about it. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we sometimes think about podcasts, you know, we, we think about them as strictly educational or strict, strictly interviewing, and you've got to make sure you're, you yourself are showing up as an expert. Um, no matter if that's social media or the podcast, you're always ready to talk about what you do. So for example, even in this interview, when I'm giving examples, I'm talking about my clients, I'm talking about my programs, I'm talking about my students, and I'm still providing value. So if anyone's interested, they could obviously just reach out to me, but I'm not hard selling anything at all. I'm just integrating it into how I deliver my content. And if you can kind of build up that muscle, no matter where you're showing up, I think that's such a valuable tool for a lot of coaches, consultants, and podcasters. Huge. Absolutely huge. It's funny because some, sometimes I've, we did a workshop last week, month and a couple of times this came up where like people were afraid to mention their programs, their clients, or their, or their results on podcasts. And I'm like, no, that's, that should be the bulk of you know, or at least 50% of like the, the episode, like mention that stuff organically, of course. So I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that point because sometimes we feel like as, as people or business owners, like we we're not supposed to, or it's like taboo or people are going to get turned off, whatever the case may be. But in, in fact, like you said, it actually helps. And I've even bought programs by people just mentioning, not even selling or mismentioning their program on a, on a podcast. So I know it works from a, from a, from the other end of the table. Um, so I appreciate you mentioned that. And funny enough, you mentioned that giving them one next step. So the next step for this episode is going to be to go reach out to Andrea if you want to learn more about her courses. She's got a membership program as well as doing getting done for you content done by her. However, I'm going to let her say that and uh, I'll, I'll let her mention that after a little, a little while here. Um, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to say that's a good, it's a kind of a meta thing we're going to be doing here in a second. So um yeah. Couldn't I couldn't help but mention it. So all good. Um, I want to make sure I didn't. We didn't cover. We covered everything. Is there anything, Andrea, that I didn't ask you that you think I should have or should, we should mention before leaving off here? I do want to mention. I, we talked a lot about different platforms: Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn. If you're doing this as your own, like you're doing this yourself, you're wearing multiple hats in your business just pick one platform and focus on that one. Don't feel like you have to spread yourself out on all of these platforms. And don't feel like you have to spend all day on this. You know, We mentioned a lot of strategies here. Just pick one and try it for yourself. Give yourself at least 30 days. See how it works for you. If it doesn't work, try something different. If it does, do more of that. I really want to encourage business owners to build up profitable ability in their business first and then start exploring other platforms. So get really good at making one platform work for you and then you can outsource it or you can outsource something else so you can spend more time on that one platform i really appreciate that uh, that advice i wish i had that advice three four years ago <laughs> from a social yeah. media expert to focus to double down on one and not jump around to other ones and um and yeah that's helpful because that's a big question a lot of people always ask should i be on this and that should i just do one is podcasting this podcasting count as one um <laughs> a, a lot of different variations of that question so thank you um yes. now andrea as we as we mentioned before where can people find out more about you um we'll make sure the links are below but just so people can hear it yeah so i am on instagram at online drea that's my one platform where i spend most of my time I spend about 80% of my social media time on that one. And then I explore other channels. So that's the best way to hang out with me. And then if you want to get more 
in-depth insight into my approach on social media. I do take a very mindful approach um, because I understand these platforms are designed to be addictive. And as business owners, especially, we don't have all the time in the world to be scrolling through TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can find that at onlinedrea.com slash free. It's a free course that will guide you through building out a strategy that's mindful, but also works for you. Very cool. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Um, so that is it for this today's episode, Andrea, thank you again. And for those listening, I will see you on the next episode.